Have you ever wondered what the difference is between a remaster and a remake? Well, this week you're about to find out the answer. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week we are talking about remakes from Dead Space to Final Fantasy VII. What's a remake? When's a remake? How's a remake? All those questions and more. I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Kirk Hamilton. And I'm Maddie Myers. Hello. Hi. It's us. It sure is. Hello, my friends. We are back for another episode of the podcast formerly known as Kotaku Split Screen. Welcome to Triple Click. (laughs) Were you going to say it? (laughs) No, I wasn't. I I wanted to. We need a little symbol, like the Prince symbol, the the Mm -hmm. podcast formerly. It's three three. That's actually what our logo is. Like originally we weren't going to have a title. We were just going to have that logo. And then we were like, oh, it's pretty hard to pronounce. Because in all things, you should strive to be more like Prince, really. Yeah. Oh, God, Podcasting yeah. is, is no exception. If only, if only we could true. be as prolific and as talented. And to those of you out there who want to be more like Prince, if Prince <laughs> were with us today, he would be a subscriber to Triple Click. He would be supporting wow. the show. He would be a Max One member. We are, entirely, we are entirely <laughs> listener supported. And uh, you can support us right now by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. And if you do that, you not only get that heartwarming feeling that you are supporting our podcast and being more like Prince, you also <laughs> get a monthly <laughs> bonus episode where we talk about you all do. sorts of things we talk about you all do. sorts of crazy things uh <laughs> last month we were talking about uh mythic quest the show mythic quest you did a great mm-hmm. little spoiler cast on that beans cast on that and this month we are spilling the beans on half-life 2 episodes one and two and the entire half-life 2 saga completing mm-hmm. our uh predictions bet for the year so that'll be really fun that'll go live at the be. end of the month for max fun members only once again maximumfun.org slash join thank you all to those who you who who, who who support us to those of you out there who support us yeah thank you, thank you all so yeah, much even if you don't support us thank you for listening to the show let's get on with it shall we today we are doing a hot topic today's hot topic. Is a hot topic we got a hot topic Ooh. for you throwing at you right off the stove it is burning hot you gotta let it cool down on the on the uh, on a wire rack before you can actually eat <laughs> it um, today's hot topic is remakes, remakes, um, not just remakes, remasters, remakes, remasters. There are a lot of remakes being thrown out there these days. The world is mm-hmm. full of remakes, the video game world especially. Um, remakes are seen as just a very uh, lucrative and satisfying way to release a video game these days. Everything from Demon's Souls to uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, and then there are the uglier ones, the Warcraft Three Reforges of the world. Um, before we even start talking, though, uh, <laughs> Kirk, Kirk, I'm going to throw it to you because we were kind of we were discussing beforehand what is a remake as opposed to a remaster, and Kirk came up with this ridiculous, amazing spectrum for, that defines <laughs> ridiculous. all of I these think terms. It's perfect, and everyone will be using it from yes, this point true. forward. That's true. Kirk, give it to us. Okay, so this this is yes the spectrum of every type of remake going from re-release all the way up to sequel. So um, let me go through these from the beginning and then I'll kind of give a couple examples of each one. So it starts, it goes re-release, then remaster, uh-huh. then remaster plus, <laughs> then remake, then remake plus, then reimagined remake, then super turbo remake plus, <laughs> and then just sequel. And then yep. reboot is kind of off on its in its own silo. And we're not really talking okay. about reboots. Right, right. I don't I don't think you need to define these. I feel like the titles already fully explain exactly are. what they are. Everybody understands it. But but just for the sake of argument, Kirk, <laughs> just, why don't you give just some to examples? Kind of, <laughs> to maybe clarify for anyone who for some reason might not have immediately categorized if all of For some those. reason you don't <laughs> immediately understand Super Tur- Turbo Remake Plus. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so a re-release is just the original game made playable on new hardware straight up re-release remaster is a visually enhanced version of the same game like the same engine it's uh, like dark souls remastered is a good example of this there's basically nothing changed it's just the game it just there's that one bonfire they added in that's true i guess so that gets us to remember this is a spectrum so all games just fit somewhere on here but after that is remaster plus that's when it's the same game like the same engine and tech but there actually are significant changes i'd say that skyward sword recently fits into this mass effect trilogy things are different but it's still basically the same game Mm -hmm. um after that comes remake that's 
the game has been remade in like a new engine with new technology. So that's like Shadow of the Colossus or Demon Souls. It really is a remake, even though it's pretty true to the original game in terms of gameplay. Like they make a point of saying like Diablo 2 Resurrected, new engine looks different, but the balance is the same. I think they call that a remaster, by the way. But by your definition, yeah, it'll we're, be a remake. Right. They're, well, Blizzard can call it whatever they want. We're going by but the But they are wrong. Spectrum. Anyway. They are, they are unfortunately <laughs> wrong. Not the first thing they've been wrong about recently. Hmm. Um, oh, nothing spring to mind for me, but go on. <laughs> after that comes Remake Plus. So this is where it's been remade, new engine, and there's actually also like really new stuff, like new mechanics, new gameplay. Black Mesa counts as one of these. Tomb mm. Raider Anniversary counts as one of these. So it's remake, and it's like kind of different. Then there's a reimagined remake, which basically this is for Resident Evil 2 and 3, those remakes. They need their own category because they're like really different, even though they still are remaking there's like a template that they went off of, which was Resident Evil 2, but it's an over-the-shoulder game. It just plays totally differently. It has like, it's very, very different despite being a remake. Yeah, you know, not to interrupt, but there's another Resident Evil example of this as well, which is the Umbrella Chronicles games. I don't know if you've ever played these, but they also reimagine every Resident Evil game as a time crisis style arcade on the rails shooter. <laughs> That's true. And it's like, what if you were playing Resident Evil's one through three, I think is what they do again, but just in a different genre of shooter right, and I right. Resident Evil Capcom just loves to remake its games yes. and we don't even include fighting games on here but there are, there are plenty of examples of right that that's just well. a whole different yeah. thing you know like a persona yeah. fighting game is just a whole different thing I think mm-hmm. I think the upcoming Dead Space reboot is going to fit into reimagine remake as well, well based on what they're saying about we're going to spend the rest of the show debating that but Kirk right. why don't you get to your Go next so let example me, let, me, let me complete here <laughs> Super Turbo Remake Plus has only one example but it's a, an example that needed to be there and that's Final Fantasy 7 Remake because right. it is a remake of Final Fantasy VII, a completely reimagined remake that is also like a sequel <laughs> and more and, ten a year, and a 10 year saga that <laughs> it will is rebooting unfold the timeline. over many yeah, episodes. Right. That is, so it isn't like a reboot exactly and it isn't a sequel it is a remake but it's also not so that just gets its own thing that's a super turbo remake plus <laughs> then we just get a sequel I think a sequel it is interesting to think of sequels on the spectrum because especially in video games sequels actually do work in some ways almost like a remake like an mm-hmm. opportunity to take the game and take all the mechanics and then you know build on them but of course they're sequels they're new games yeah or you lose you lose all your powers and then you have to get them back in new right. ways right yeah. right and it mm-hmm. has like it still kind of feels like a a lot of the same ideas as the original, which a reimagined remake can also do that, or, or a remake. And then there's just a reboot, which is just take the core thing and just totally kind of restart it. And that's kind of its own thing. I don't think we're really going to talk about reboots too much. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of our framework for this conversation. I hope that that's helpful. Okay, good to know. So that's easy. Very good we're going to gonna remember all these terms. Yeah, we will definitely. <laughs> we go from re-release all the way up to sequel. <laughs> this will be part of the gaming lingo from now on. So, okay. So this conversation, I think, or the reason I wanted to talk about this is inspired by a Polygon article that I read uh, last week that we'll link in the show notes about um, the Final Fantasy Pixel remasters, which are these interesting little things. <laughs> I like that... how you hesitated where you were like, is it a remaster? Is <laughs> where does it fit on tell this? me that I no, messed up? I'm actually <laughs> these are this is the official name of the game. Um, okay. When I say remaster. So I'm not even using like it's literally on Steam it says Final Fantasy mm-hmm. Pixel Remaster. So okay. this one isn't up for debate. It's just the title of the game. <laughs> Maybe it should be Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster Plus, but we don't know. Um, <laughs> These are really interesting, and I want to hold off on talking about the those themselves for a little bit, but the article made me think about, because the article was essentially arguing that Final Fantasy, the original, doesn't need to be touched. It's great, and it doesn't, it, it should exist on its own without remasters and remakes. And there are certainly some interesting arguments out there about the concept of, like, not only making a game playable um, on modern consoles, but also changing a bunch of things. And is it sacrilegious to kind of alter mechanics that um, maybe feel clunky now or clunkier now than they did 30 years ago. And it, made, it got me thinking, like, like when should a game be remade as opposed to remastered? Um, and we played a lot of interesting examples of this kind of tension. And, like, I think we've all played games where um, that are, like, like new versions of old games where we kind of wish that things had been different or maybe we wish that things hadn't been different. So I want to start the conversation there and kind of, like, wondering what you guys think of this concept 
concept of like when when is a, a remake work for you? When does it when do you wish it had been more of a remaster or a re-release instead? Um, so, Maddie, I want to I want to start with you. I'm curious to hear uh, your take on this question. Sure. So I thought this was a fun article, but I don't agree with it at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I say that as a person who recently had to play Final Fantasy VI for this show. We've talked about it a lot. <laughs> We're talking about it again. I said uh, in our many, many episodes about that game that I preferred the, what should I call it? The remaster of Final Fantasy VII for the Switch that mm. allows you to skip battles, among mm. other things, other other relatively small changes. That would be a remaster plus right. because it has gameplay It does changes. have a gameplay change. Sure. And we got to follow this spectrum, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, I know, I know. And we've also <laughs> talked about how when we were playing Final Fantasy VI, hypothetically, there may have been some ways for us to make some gameplay changes in the version of it that we were playing, <laughs> hypothetically. Mm. But... Even as I was playing it with those advantages, I was still thinking it would be really nice if these were baked in. I don't mm-hmm. need to change that much about this game in order for me to enjoy it significantly more. Just a few things, a few quality of life changes would have gone such a long way for me in that game. So I'm not necessarily saying that I'm a purist with all remasters and remakes where I'm like, oh, you know, you shouldn't change anything about the game because I also think I would enjoy like a super turbo version of Final Fantasy VI a la FF7 Remake. I think that would be really interesting and cool to see. Honestly, for any game, like maybe every game should have a version of that. (laughs) But I also think that there are just some games that are old enough that there are so many quality of life issues with them And again, like I have played the original Metroid multiple times. Like I get why we do this to ourselves and I have respect (laughs) for the form, but God, I just, I don't think anybody should play Final Fantasy one. And I never have. And I'm stating that I'm just coming out here and I'm saying it sounds ridiculous to me. And I don't, I don't think people should subject themselves to that. (laughs) Sounds like, it sounds like I need a new, uh, new game for my 2022 (laughs) predictions. Final Fantasy one. Oh boy. (laughs) The original version only. No remasters. Wow. So yeah, I think, um, when it comes to quality of life stuff, it's kind of an easier decision. Just, like talking about that Final Fantasy VII re-release with the fast forward, yeah, um, those kinds of things. Those are just pretty. I mean, they're kind of optional and they don't really change too much. And those are nice. I start to struggle with it when it comes to something like a, a good example of this is Black Mesa, which was a fan-made remake of the first Half Life that then was sanctioned by Valve. I've talked about it on the show before. It's really, really good. It's really impressive. It does follow all of the beats of Half Life, but it is a different game. Now that you've both played Half-Life 2, you, it would be interesting if you ever play it just because it feels like Half-Life 2. I think it's the same version of the Source engine. You can like move objects around. There's physics the same as in Half-Life 2, which weren't really there in Half-Life 1. So it's a different game. Um, it's just the same game at the same time. And I never <laughs> know whether to recommend that people play that or people play the original Half-Life, which is good but feels much more dated. And that's where it kind of gets interesting for me. Like I... I don't know. There's always sort of a tension and it's hard to make the decision because you have to play both to even make the recommendation. And I haven't played the first Half-Life in a really long time. Like, I don't actually know what I would recommend. I run into this with music all the time. Um, Anyone who's listened to old Beatles records knows there are remasters of all of the classic Beatles albums and there are also remixes of the classic Beatles albums. Is that the equivalent of a remake to you, spiritually? Let's get into a different taxonomy Those to here. Me, no, they it's do, a remix like, plus, actually. It's basically like, if you just think of the spectrum as a spectrum rather than getting too fixated on the individual points on it, they just move closer and closer and closer to like totally overhauling it. And yeah. it does get weird when you listen to the Beatles in a stereo mix, because a lot of times the mix of the panning is weird. And then you go back and like listen to Revolver in mono on vinyl, and it actually sounds really good. And you can see why people say, you should just listen to this in mono. Like, you shouldn't go and listen to these, especially not the like 2017 remixes. Those are weird. Like, they bring out instruments that aren't really that audible. And, you, and it can feel that way sometimes playing 
these remakes too, where like a game will run at 60 frames per second, for example, and sometimes that just makes it look weird or it looks mm-hmm. too high def where the, you know, the textures are gigantic because they're spread across things and they looked okay on a TV. So like the way that you're playing it starts to matter. It can just get very complicated and difficult to make a recommendation on any given game. So I struggle with it from time to time. So, okay, so it's interesting you bring up quality of life improvements because that feels like the obvious answer, right? Like having a fast forward button for old JRPGs, great, fantastic, right? Adding like more save points and more abilities to like like Final Fantasy 3, for example, um, the NES one, um, not 6, which we played, but 3, the original, um, is infamous for for having this end game gauntlet where you have to play through like five or six hours of stuff without a single save point and you go through bosses and it's just brutal, right? Um, And there have been some interesting arguments over the years about that because on one hand, it's just a beast to play. And like once you die close to the end of it and lose hours of progress, you never want to play it again. But on the other hand, you have a tension in that that is unlike any other sort of tension you would play. And again, like Mm -hmm. if there's no actual sense of stake when you're playing, if you can't lose something, if you fail, then it isn't quite as exhilarating when you actually win and you don't have that tension of like like a a final boss like knowing that the stakes are super high for your for your actual playing it right there then and there so that's one argument and then like you can make a a similar argument for like adding a bonfire to dark souls or like um adding adding i don't know uh if someone decided to remake uh one of the souls games and added difficulty modes or any sort of other thing like something that you could say is a quality of life thing can also be argued as like a design decision question and so that raises interesting questions and then to take that one step further, imagine if someone like re took a Beatles album and remade it by just like adding a bunch of new instruments to it or like well, changing so changing a bunch of things. I do think about that. And when I when I get farther down the spectrum toward the remake end, that's really when you get into cover recordings. That's more how mm-hmm. I think about it. Like there is the whole George Lucas adding the Jabba the Hutt scene to Star Wars. Like that's mm-hmm. its own thing. And yeah, if you were like overdubbing guitar parts over George Harrison, that would be weird and nobody would like that but covers can be pretty cool and some of these remakes feel to me like covers almost like the resident evil 2 remake feels like a really talented band you know group of developers covering really cool source material and doing their own thing with it and that to me can be really interesting that's like the most interesting type of thing here because you're getting to see new creative people putting their own imprint on something that already was successful and already existed rather than just like shining it up and re-releasing it to us again. Yeah. Yeah. I feel similarly about um, AM2R is a Metroid made fan game that is another Mm -hmm. example of what I would say is a cover song. So Metroid 2 is a Game Boy game that is often maligned by me because it's like a little bit weird. I enjoy it. It has some imperfections. I think the soundtrack is is a real down point. In terms of comparing it to overall Metroid games, it's pretty good just as a soundtrack, but it's not as good as many other Metroid soundtracks. There are many other things you could say about it. I won't go on and on, but but enough fans agree with me that they made a version of it, a remake of Metroid called AM2R. I think it's like another Metroid 2 remake is what it's yes, technically titled to signify mm-hmm. how many people have attempted to remake it. And of mm-hmm. course, it was officially remade, Metroid Samus Returns for the 3DS. And that remake is quite good, good enough that Mercury Steam is going to make Metroid Dread. And that was in, in fact like a, a trial for Sakamoto to, to see if they were going to be good enough to make Metroid Dread, according to <laughs> no him. No pressure. Um, but clearly Metroid 2 was something that a lot of people really wanted to fix and remake, not just because of design issues, but just, you know, other little little tweaks that people wanted to make. And I, I can understand that. And I think that's part of why AM2R is like a fun cover song. Like it keeps a lot of the spiritual elements of the game, but then changes enough other things that it feels like it's its own game, which is interesting. I, I guess to me, at least, I feel like there is a difference on my personal spectrum of what I like, where it starts with quality of life changes, which to me are a necessity. But then it gets further over on my spectrum of like, I don't know if I like this or not when it's taking away just the romanticization I have of things about an original game that are actually quite unpleasant. But because I've romanticized them due to whatever memory I have of playing them, I feel like I don't want them to be taken away. And that's like this inevitable quality of like, what should we or should we not remove? Even when we're talking about quality of life changes, it's like, I guess, enjoying the scratch of a cassette tape or something or VHS uh, 
artifacting. It's like, mm-hmm. what are what are these things about games? And Metroid, especially the old ones, has many of these where it's like, okay, the most pure way to play the original Metroid is on an arcade machine where you have basically, you have only the save points that you can find and quarters and it's just the worst. Like, why on earth would anybody do that? I've never had that experience. And yet, even though I haven't, I still kind of romanticize it. And I'm like, oh, that must have been such a cool way to play that game. Like having to just see the arcade version of it mm-hmm. and like you don't really know what's coming next and people just had to try and try and try. Like it's similar to the boss gauntlet Jason was describing. And that is lost now. Like every version of Metroid you can play now has save states and it's like significantly easier, but maybe that's fine. I don't know, it's a little bittersweet, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, yeah, There's a. there are two really different feelings that I have when I'm playing different types of remakes like uh, Mass Effect Trilogy which we've talked about already on the show and I will get back to it at some point I had to stop because turns out Mass Effect Trilogy is really long um, but that is like it's they've changed some things especially with the first game but what's great about it and what I'm liking about it is just that it's very comforting and I just enjoy especially Mass Effect 2 just this rolling sci-fi story and rediscovering the story beats and every and in my mind I'm always thinking oh wait Thane is about to do this like we're going to get to this part and then it happens and I like remember it and kind of relive it and that's really fun which is very different than I would imagine a Resident Evil 2 fan would feel playing Resident Evil 2 remake where it's not about oh I can't wait to see my favorite thing again it's I can't wait to see how they're going to do this you know which mm-hmm. is much more like when you see a cover band play Freebird and they're a completely different ensemble than Leonard Skinner you're like what are they going to do during the guitar solo like what how is this going to end and it's kind of this exciting question it's the mm-hmm. same thing with that game where you're like well titan x is going to show up but this game is so different like what is that what is that going to look like or the titan maybe the titan x is in re3 anyways like those <laughs> questions it's more of a question and less of a just comforting you know reassuring familiar thing Mm-hmm. What's frustrating, I think, at least for me personally, what's frustrating is that with a lot of these remakes that do change things, a lot of these remake pluses or super tu- turbo remake. Yeah, know, further down one. the spectrum. Um, yeah. With yeah. The, the ones further down the spectrum, um, oftentimes the companies that release them are at the same time not re-releasing the original version of the game because they want you to buy the new one. And so it's kind of like, oftentimes it's like, because of the way games work, because so many of the older platforms are really difficult to get a hold of or difficult to actually play on today um, unless you have a CRT TV in your office somewhere um, it's it's almost like as if uh, you can only get the Beatles cover band and you couldn't actually get you can well actually this is yeah. true on streaming services Beatles I found this stuff. with David Bowie there's like mm-hmm. fucked up remasters of David Bowie records and the ones that you listen to on Spotify are those ones and there are better remasters or better masters that aren't always surfaced so streaming media totally has that problem yeah it's super yeah. frustrating um uh, but at least I mean at least you can go buy a David Bowie CD or buy it sure, from right. iTunes or whatever it's, it's right a lot. like or if Netflix fucks up the aspect ratio you can get a Criterion Collection DVD like sure cetera, yeah. yeah exactly with games I feel like a lot of this stuff is way more inaccessible it's very difficult mm-hmm. unless you get an emulator which I guess is technically illegal um, for whatever that's worth but I think that games it's a lot harder to track down older versions and classic games um, because a lot of these companies just don't care about preservation and do not really really give a shit about like like ensuring that people can play their history unless they can remaster it and sell it for more money in one form or another Um, and what happens is you run into these weird weird situations like with Final Fantasy so the three of us talked a lot about which version (laughs) of Final Fantasy 6 should we play because each of them has like its pros and cons and it's kind of a weird feeling where like the original version of the game has some script issues but then the GBA version of the game has a better script but like the music is kind of compressed and so that is also happening now with these new Final Fantasy Pixel remasters which which, uh, are, are, are good in a lot of ways and bad in a lot of ways um What's annoying is that they have these ugly ass fonts, but more than that, um, so like you look at the original Final Fantasy game and there was a remastered version for the Game Boy that like added some new dungeons and features. Um, and then now this Final Fantasy Pixel remaster takes away those dungeons and features. So you're playing like a remastered version of the game that doesn't even have some of the cool stuff from the remaster that came out 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So it's kind of this weird saga where like you pick up a 
a, a remaster or the, the latest version of a game and you never really know what you're going to get, how different it's going to be from the original, whether it's going to have all of the stuff that they had added before. It's just kind of a nightmare. Um, and this week, Final Fantasy IV Pixel Remaster is coming out and I'm kind of dreading the issues that <laughs> that people are going to find it. And I, I'm very curious to see what happens to that one. But, but all of this, I mean, it's just kind of, it's really frustrating to see these companies put a lot of time and effort into remakes where at the same time just totally abandoning all issues of preservation and all attempts to preserve yeah. their classic history. Yeah. It's tricky, right? It's definitely one of the defining um, frictions of the digital age. Like, the, I always think of The Wire, the way that The Wire, if you watch it on HBO, whatever the, now, HBO Go, whatever their streaming service is called, <laughs> if you watch The Wire, you get the widescreen version where it's generally okay, but that was shot in 4.3. And I don't know if maybe they finally added an option to watch the original 4.3 version, but it's a beautifully shot in 4.3, like 4.3 aspect ratio. This is a square for anyone who doesn't know this versus widescreen. And in widescreen, they cut some of the shot out to make mm-hmm. it look like it should look, I guess, like a modern show, but it looks fine in 4.3. And I always, that was very frustrating because you need to get the physical media. And you don't have the option, right? On, on you didn't the last time that I watched it. They may have added it, but it's the kind of thing where, just like you say with you know releasing the old version as well, there's so little incentive for these companies mm-hmm. because they need to make money and people mostly will buy the, re, the remastered or, or remade thing. I always think about those Monkey Island remakes or Mm-hmm. Whatever they were, whatever wherever they fall on the spectrum, they're yeah. kind of in an interesting place, really, because those do they took the very unusual step in making those of allowing you to press a button and then mm-hmm. switch back to the old game. So they're like a total art visual overhaul, but the game is still running the same underneath, and you can just with the press of a button go back and forth between them. I know mm-hmm. that's essentially impossible on more complicated games than a point and click adventure game, but it was so cool to see that, and I don't it's know, awesome. I, yeah, it's yeah, one of it the was cool that those. I'm going to do that in um, Diablo 2 Resurrected. Yes. I don't know if you two yes. knew that. Uh, there nice. is a button okay. that is going to toggle back at least the graphics to make it look mm-hmm. like the old version of the game. So yeah. That'll be That's weird. Cool. The Wire thing reminds me of like the Final Fantasy 5 and 6 port or remakes, whatever you want to call them, re-releases that have all the mangled sprites and like garbage art, which was one version <laughs> that the three of us absolutely would not play because the art <laughs> is trash. Because um, Jason told us we weren't allowed to. I told yet. you you should not play that version. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's interesting. Warcraft 3 Reforged, which was released last year to critical like disdainment from Blizzard. It was essentially mm-hmm. Blizzard's like first really bad game that got like a 50 something on Metacritic and and was just widely panned. One of the things that was most heinous about that was when Blizzard released that, they disabled, they replaced Warcraft 3 in Battle.net with Warcraft right. 3 Reforged. So nobody could play the original Warcraft 3. And this is a worse version because they like removed features that were in the original game that still aren't in there today, a year and a half after release, um, even though they promised they would be coming in there. Um, and that is really like in that case they didn't even have an excuse because Warcraft 3 was very easily downloadable and playable and you could just buy it like it wasn't like they needed to do work to make the original version accessible for people um, so it's really just capitalism in action just like blatant <laughs> greed like we want you to buy our new thing so you cannot have access to the old thing anymore is there still no way to play Warcraft 3 legally or? you you can yeah, not through Battle.net at least. Maybe you can wow. download like an older version. Yeah, I guess pirate it somewhere. But um, yeah, that's no, pretty yeah. wild. I feel like a lot of the examples we've given have been related to just the obvious hardware deterioration that happens with games, which also happens with music and movies. I mean, it's not as though that isn't an issue as well. But mm-hmm. in, with games, we're talking at least with console games about consoles that are designed to deteriorate within a certain time limit, so that you mm-hmm. have to buy a new one, and so. Preserving them is actually a huge undertaking, and that's part of why. So the reason why we wrote about the Final Fantasy game at Polygon is because we've had this whole collection of stories this past week about retro gaming and people who are still trying to play retro games in the modern day. And there's like a great article about CRT TVs and why people Mm -hmm. feel so um, emotional about them and the way the games look on them and why it's worth keeping one for some people. And Mm. Chris Grant um, of of (laughs) Polygon Polygon co-founder fame uh, wrote multiple articles about like his obsession with 
Are you too familiar with Mr. Technology? It's like a way through which people can play emulators in like the most um, accessible way possible. And it's like this open source form of software that people are using. And I just, I don't know, it just fills me with a certain wistful feeling, even though it's not my personal interest. It's the same sense of wistfulness that I feel about people who played the original Metroid on arcade machines, but I'm just like, I don't know. I I can respect somebody who really wants to experience a game the way it was originally made, even though it's deeply unpleasant. I'm just like, I don't know. I kind of get it. Like, you want to see what it looks like on a CRT? And I don't know if there's a version of a remake or a port or a re-release that can ever fully capture that audience. But the audience that is me that should still be captured <laughs> is the audience that's like, I just want to play a version of it that I can actually play, but it's still basically the original game. Like, I, I just want all the save points to be in there. And I and don't, like, change anything too crazy, but, like, you know, just make it so I can play it. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, Yeah. That, I mean, first of all, that's the beauty of emulators. And when I say, yeah. I mean, when I think of, like, proper classic game preservation, I think of, like, the Nintendo's virtual console service, which has many problems and the library <laughs> is very limited. But, like, over the years, and, and it's been so inconsistent from platform to platform, but at least in its best years, back on the Wii and the Wii U and stuff, um, you could play these games with save states. And um, I don't think any of them had fast forward, but, like, we've had other, like, packages of, of re-release classic games that include fast forward and, like, rewinding and stuff like which that. Which I love. Which like, makes everything. That's fine yeah. with oh, yeah. me. That's as long as there's great. save states, like mm-hmm. it's all good. I can even put up without rewinding and password, although those are also great. Well, rewinding is useful. So the Mega Man collections that came out had a rewind, which was great for those games because those games are like nails tough platformer shooter games. And if you jump the wrong way or like or pixel off on a jump, you'll hit a pit of spikes and instantly die. So it's nice to have the, the option of rewind just if you want it. Um, but mm-hmm. I want to talk about uh, another concept here, which is more along the lines of like the cover band stuff, um, which is this idea of like, remakes really getting in there and changing things. And specifically, I want to talk about Dead Space because even though that game isn't out yet, the designers of that game who are at EA Motive are talking about how they are essentially, um, it's like a cross between a remake and a reboot. They're taking the old game. They're essentially remaking the old game, but they're changing a bunch of stuff. They're going to make the main character Isaac talk more. They're going to add more story. They're going to change gameplay elements. It's essentially going to feel like a new game, sort of along the lines of the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake. And I think that's really interesting because um, with some exceptions, a couple of people uh, who worked on the original who are now advising on this project and such, um, this is a totally new team. And there's a lot of weird history and crossovers between Visceral, the original makers of the game that were shut down in 2017, and Motive, which was, fun fact here, Motive was, uh, when they were created, their one of their original goals was to help out Visceral's game, Ragtag, but then that didn't happen, and they got moved to Battlefront 2 instead, and then Visceral went to work on Ragtag and had to shut down. What a twisted web we weave. Visceral essentially was shut down because EA had to buy Respawn instead, mm-hmm. and had to free up some cash, and lots of, lots of of weird EA Game of Thronesian stuff here. But now it's really bizarre that Motive has wound up remaking this game. It's essentially a new group of people who are saying, hey, what can we make better about this game that came out 10 years ago that people love? And I think that's really interesting. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to hear your takes. Is it is it sacrilegious to get in there and be like, I want to make this better? Or is it just kind of a cool tribute that uh, could have really awesome results. So it's funny. I think that it actually, it matters less to me the more they change in a certain way. And I think it kind of matters less to people in general the more they change. Mm. I'm actually fine with them taking the original game. And it sounds like if, if Isaac's going to be talking and they're going to you know, update it in some ways, that it's going to be a little more like Dead Space 2. And when Dead Space 2 came out, they're like, Isaac's going to talk. It's going to be more like Uncharted. And I think a lot of people... Um, we're worried about that. I thought it was going to become an action game and be the sort of aliens to Dead Space is Alien, which I would still kind of make that comparison, but then I would also point out that Alien and Aliens are both awesome movies. And <laughs> Dead Space 2 is a great game, and if they want to reboot, remake, whatever, the first game and make it a little more like that, that's fine. It's actually more interesting to me if new people want to do the cover thing, like go in a new direction with it, than if they remake it and then just kind of subtly change some stuff and that to me now from here on out like everyone who plays demon souls pretty much 
for this foreseeable future, which is a fantastic game that I just played this year, they're going to play the PS5 version, which is brilliant and like beautiful and fun, but very different from the game that it's still a one-to-one remake of, especially in terms of art, in ways that a lot of people who like the original game have pointed out, like that they don't always like, like it's not always an improvement. It's just kind of like an aesthetic change. And I do kind of, I find that tension interesting. And I I wonder about the fact that no one will kind of play that original Demon Souls again. Well, it also speaks to, I mean, the Demon Souls remake was also made by a totally different group of people. It was made by Bluepoint. The original yep. Demon Souls was made right. by From Software. Um, I think that kind of speaks to ownership and like who really owns this thing, um, especially with Dead Space, where it's like who ultimately decided that EA Motive would get to make a Dead Space game? I'm sure they were interested in it and pitched it internally, but like the decision was made by the executives at EA who own the brand, not any of the creative people who actually collaborated and like put their their blood and sweat and pixels into making uh, <laughs> the original Dead Space, right? So in fact, that studio was kind of seen as a black sheep and some of those same executives were like man dead space doesn't sell we're gonna have to kill it like yeah uh, it's not exponentially growing enough for Mm. us so we're gonna have to kill it and it's just there's something really sad about that i kept thinking about that on seeing this news i was like man dead space the black sheep now now they think it's profitable and they're circling Uh back around 13 years later with a completely different group of people to remake it that is kind of sad to me but i i actually agree with you kirk i didn't think about it that way but it would be so much weirder and possibly worse if they did get the band back together as it were and they were like hey can you re-record all of your tracks and then we're gonna like put it on the ps5 or whatever like that would be so much stranger and i think would give all of them a sense of well, perhaps they would go back and be like, oh, actually, these are all the things we would have wanted to do. But I, it might also give them a little bit of George Lucas syndrome where you're just endlessly polishing the diamond to the point where it doesn't even look at anymore. And having a completely different group of people look at Dead Space and be like, well, we didn't make this, so we don't know what was on the cutting room floor per se. We have the blueprints, but like we look at this and we think, why doesn't it have X or Y? And mm-hmm. those are things that maybe never occurred to the original team that made it. And now those elements are going to be in the game and it'll feel different and it'll be a cover song. And well, I think that might be better <laughs> in some I ways. Mean, so, Maddie, to that point, if you look at what happened with Double Fine and the Day of the Tentacle remaster and Full Throttle remastered, those games were that same band getting back together and doing the cover or True. really just re like painting mm-hmm. over because they essentially took those old games and just gave them a totally new HD code of paint. They didn't change anything for those games, which mm-hmm. is might've been the ideal way to do this. And I guess it, this all raises a question like, why isn't this just dead space four? And I think <laughs> uh, the answer is probably well, really cynical. Well, do you know how dead space three ended? <laughs> There's a lot of lore reasons. Yeah. I don't know if you played. You would want to just start fresh. It got pretty <laughs> yeah. complicated. <laughs> it got complicated. Okay, no, I yeah, haven't played but, any of those games actually. But, yeah, they're good games. Yeah, but but okay, but why isn't this like a, a reboot of the franchise or whatever it is, or like I, Dead Space Origins or whatever? Right, yeah, right. I think that that it, you have this kind of cynical um, executive. Uh, answer which is that the series has been stagnant for too long and everybody's finding all the success with like let's call it god of war let's call it fable like let's just call it let's call it modern warfare yeah Um, and you're finding the success with like quote-unquote these these uh, uh reboots or whatever you want to call it um Whereas this is like, it's kind of a remake, kind of a reboot. Um, I wish they would just do something totally new with it rather than saying we're going to recreate the original Dead Space, but also make some changes and kind of weirdly straddle that line. Because I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's, it's, maybe this is a little snobby or naive, but I feel like. Uh, the only people who have the right to go back and make changes to the original game are the people who made the original game as opposed to a new group of creators who by all means like play around in dead space but like do you really have to call it a remake like is it really a remake with some tweaks like why not just do a whole reboot why not just do something completely new I don't know yeah it'll kind of depend on what the game winds up being yeah my feeling I I should say. say my my feelings on this are not fully formed in large part. The game yes, isn't out. The game isn't out yet. Yeah. Yeah, but unfortunately, we have the power to cancel it, and we will be. Oh, that's deciding true. Whether or not we're going to do that, we do so. have a big decision to make regarding whether or not to cancel the new Dead Space. It is up to the three of us, which yeah. it's a huge responsibility. But it is. Hey, 
we'll be hmm. considering it. Someone's got to do it, you know. By <laughs> the way, some some job news. We have uh, purchased the EA. Triple click now. <laughs> yeah. like Thank you so much for your support of the show. We've been yeah. able to purchase EA. We wow, saved our pennies for this past year. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Stop buying avocado toast and now we oh can finally God. afford. And acquired a major video game publisher. Why would that be the studio we would buy? EA. Anyway, um, before we before fine. we end this segment, before we move on to one more thing, we have to talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake at least for a minute yeah. or two. Because <laughs> Just for we fun. All love, we all love that game, but it's also the most batshit thing ever and kind of goes against every single, every single rule, yeah. every single other idea of a remake and what it, it should, what it could be. Yeah, but that's why every game should do it, though. But yes, also, right. I feel like it even hues to your perhaps you're going to change your mind about it later statement that you made five minutes ago about how the uh-huh. original creators of something should get to work on the remake because Final Fantasy VII Remake has at least some of the original team yes. as part of it yes. envisioning how it's going to go, as well as mm-hmm. many completely new people, of course. And it's also a weird example of a game where, as Kurt keeps saying, that is the version of Final Fantasy VII that many people are experiencing and are not bothering to go back and check out the old one and I think yeah. as more and more time goes on the more true that will be which is so weird because that game is so much a response to the original game that it's like okay like I know people enjoy it when they haven't played the original but what a weird game like yeah. what a weird game <laughs> it's wild. no I'm, I agree and it's it's so ambitious and so wild i mean the thing that was maybe the thing i liked the most about that game i liked it was fun it had a good story and music and everything but like in the end it was just this feeling of just being kind of gobsmacked at how audacious it was the whole last like two hours of it just being like shocked that they were doing this it to something yeah. that's so you know vaunted and so sacred in the video game canon as final fantasy 7 i would love it if there was more ambition like that if it felt less like this kind of oh well like you the way you were describing ea's possible thinking with the dead space thing of well yeah it's been a dormant franchise it was always kind of big but never as big as it could have been maybe we could make money that you can kind of see those gears turning with a lot of these and with ff7 remake it felt that way going in it kind of felt like, oh, well, sure, they know it's popular. And then playing right. it, I was like, this was a huge passion project for a lot of really brilliant people who wanted to make something wild. And that's cool. Like, I would love more, you know, more people to do things like that. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the game is is like weighing in on this conversation and being like, Definitely. hey, you want a straight yes. up remake? Like, screw you. Like, go yes. away. Like, we're not interested in that. And it's uh, yeah. answering that question and like, like approaching the fans yeah almost but it's also like it'd be so cool if other games looked at those risks and were like maybe we should do something like this too like i would think it would be really fun if dead space did a bait and switch where it was like okay like the whole premise is different Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. isaac's crew maybe doesn't die or who knows like you're a different crew member this time or something else changes that alters the fabric of reality in some type of way like why not so that's the thing too is that there is space for that in so many of these worlds for things that alter time and space which is what's required if you're actually going to do this weird like layered on layered remake reboot like sequel thing and i mean so many you can write it into they're all fictional worlds guys like you can just write in time travel yeah so you can just like drop in a time stone or whatever and make Mm -hmm. it work i don't know (laughs) yeah have have loki moving from game to game (laughs) don't actually do that though because that's just Fortnite. this isn't the metaverse episode no we don't need marvel characters in any more things (laughs) as fun as that would be dr strange shows up oh man (laughs) oh boy oh boy i hate super super turbo remake pluses now i'm against them now i don't think we should ever do them again pull the plug pull the plug (laughs) well as as the executives of ea i think we have decided that dead space uh is going to uh play with time shenanigans so right. good luck to the yeah. team at Motive. We will be calling be them up great. after this episode and telling them exactly what we'll we've be, decided. We're giving them their marching orders. Isaac's wife lives. You play as her. It's mm-hmm. a real Ghostbusters reboot situation. We're in here to piss off the fans. It's going to yes. be great. Yes, yep. yes. Uh, they should call it Deader Space. Um, all right. <laughs> Dead Space 2. Deader Space. <laughs> Space doesn't get deader than this. Isaac says, cocking <laughs> thought it was shotgun. dead before. <laughs> um, and then the sequel will be Deadly Space. Deadliest mm-hmm. Space. <laughs> Deadliest. Um, there you go. All right. Why don't we take a, bre- a break and then we'll be, we'll be back with one more thing. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week on Bullseye, David Byrne. 
on the talking heads easing back into live performance and the magic of doo-wop. You don't get it very much, people doing dip 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 whoa, whoa, You don't get a lot of that. <laughs> Listen to Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Hey, podcast fan. We'd like to get a better idea of who you are and what you care about. So we have a quick favor to ask. If you have a few minutes to spare, please go to MaximumFun.org slash ad survey. There, we've got a short anonymous survey that will take about five minutes to fill out. Plus, if you finish it, you'll get a 10% discount on merch at the MaxFun store. MaxFun shows have always relied on support from our members and always will. This survey will help keep the few ads we do run interesting and relevant to you. That's MaximumFun.org slash ad survey. A-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y. All one word. And thanks for your help. And we are back. Kirk, Maddie, it is time for the Super Turbo Remake plus one more thing. Mm. <laughs> oh my god, okay. We'll do our best. Maddie, since you are remaking your one more thing once again, why don't you tell us what it is? Uh, welcome to my reimagining of the video game Dark Souls in which <laughs> I return to the world of... Uh, Blight Town. But okay, seriously though, I've gotten to Blight Town and I've returned to the world of Blight Town so many mm. times already. And this is a notorious part of Dark Souls. Wait, so you're just you just randomly decided to start playing Dark I'm Souls just, again? I, I, I'm, not enough you know, games to play. There's so not enough like, games you know to play. Every time I'm in between <laughs> stuff and I'm like, I don't know what to play. I'll boot up Dark Souls again. It yeah. happens. You know, it happens. Sure. Someday I'll beat it. I don't know when. Jason, I just want to say, if you hadn't already rage quit this game during the part with the poison frog guys, and you'd made it to Blight Town, this would have been the part when you would have rage quit. <laughs> Blight Town is not a fun, a fun it's town. Terrible, and I don't want to quit playing this game, but I, I feel like I need a pep talk. I don't, I don't know. It's let me just explain this part, okay? <laughs> Kirk is so grimacing. Like, <laughs> Kirk is grimacing like he isn't going to be able to give me the pep talk that I need, and <laughs> it's upsetting. But I'm going to plunge onward for the people who have never played Dark Souls and have no interest in doing so. I will describe Blight Town for for these lucky souls. So Blight Town, you descend a ladder, and then you descend another ladder, and then there's a <laughs> bunch of ogre guys, and there's a bunch of screaming guys that jump at you. It seems hard, but oh, it's not even that hard actually, because <laughs> what's really hard is after you get past those guys and there's a bunch of blow dart guys that shoot a dart at you and then you become toxic which is similar to becoming poisoned but it's more annoying and (laughs) the meter moves down faster and it also takes away your health it doesn't inflict a permanent status on you jason i think there is a version of toxicity Mm -hmm. that later on that does that i haven't gotten to yet so i'm sure it's about to get worse does it make you go on twitter and start tweeting at game developers (laughs) uh saying that no, it turns you into a toxic fan. No, it makes me pace around my apartment sadly and be like, do I want to try again? I've died so many times and mm. I've come so close to seeing something else. And yet, no, I am just becoming toxic, as as Britney Spears would say, every time, mm. over and over again. I don't know, guys. I've died Th- a lot of times. That Britney Spears song was about Dark Souls, by the way. It may as well mm. have been. It's It's... <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever going to get past it. And I hope that I do and that someday I go back and listen to this moment of darkness in my life and I think, oh, Maddie, you had no idea. It was going to get easier after that. And you Why were going to defeat you, it. I've, I have a suggestion, <laughs> Maddie. I have a suggestion. Why don't you, now that you've had all this time, like getting your feet wet in Dark Souls, why don't you finally jump through all of Bloodborne, like start from the beginning and play you through know, the whole thing? You know, not a bad idea. I mm-hmm. could like take a break and just try a different FromSoft game yes. and then level up my skills in that and then go back to Blight Town. Bloodborne, I will say, there's some frustrating bosses in Bloodborne, but there's never a moment where it feels like, oh man, like I want to rage quit this game because it pissed yeah. me off so much. I mean, Except maybe, notably, okay, maybe towards the end, there's some status <laughs> effects that get there. But the by that point, you're committed. By, by that point, you're committed. By the time you yeah. get to the annoying parts of Bloodborne. Yeah, I hear you. Because like, I can kind of deal with a boss. I feel like I've had bosses I've been stuck on in Dark Souls. And it's it, it's fine. I can just slug through that. I'll memorize a combat animation. I'll get mm-hmm. it. Whatever. I can always do that. But status effects, they're just a yeah, downer, they man. Suck. It's just um, a downer because it's like I'm already having a great run and then I just get hit with the wrong thing at the wrong time or like somebody knocks me off the ledge. You're also on a ledge for like most of the yeah. beginning of this part. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Demon Souls, also very playable, by the way. 
Both of both so of I those hear. are good options. Yeah, my thoughts are just that I got I I stopped not because I was like rage quitting exactly, but I stopped. I'm at Blight Town, like that's where my farthest Dark Souls playthrough is at, and mm-hmm. I just I it's hard to get motivated to get back to it. Like once you lose momentum on one of those games, if you're at a place like that, which is the most unpleasant environment, I always think of Owen Wilson in Armageddon, where he's like, oh, so like the scariest environment imaginable, like that's <laughs> what Blight Town is. It's the scariest environment imaginable because right, you're getting darted. And it, you're on these narrow catwalks, and it's so yep. dark and shitty looking. And I know that, and like, once I drag. get past yes. the catwalks, I'm going to enter a swamp. And, like, I have the rusted ring. If any listeners are very <laughs> familiar with Dark Souls and they're concerned about me, I do have the ring that is going to help me with one of the status effects of walking through the, the swamp, which is slowing me down. But I'm still going to get, like, blow darted and stuff. And, like, I don't know. It's not going to be yeah. fun. You could try mm. Demon Souls or Bloodborne. They're both. I would yeah, just say neither of them have advice. a level like Blade Town. They both have their challenges, but there's never a point that's just so unpleasant. Yeah, neither of those games made me want to like that part. Or Soldier Through. I'm sure a bunch of people would would recommend that too. I'll just deal with it. I'm listening to a lot of podcasts. It's okay. fine. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. I think you will beat it eventually. People <laughs> have done it, so it's possible. I know. Yeah, you I got just, know. No matter Nobody what on this you podcast pick, you got has this. done it. Yeah, um, if I choose, Kirk, I've got Kirk, it. Kirk, what's your one more thing? So my one more thing is also a, a re-release. A remake. A, another re-ma- remake. a remake. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's actually a cover because it wasn't my one more thing. I kind of piggybacked on your one more thing when you mentioned The White Lotus a couple weeks ago just to say that I kind of was really bummed out by the ending. I was definitely still processing it because I'd finished it the night before. And I just want to make it my one more thing to say both that I've – I keep thinking about the show. I've really thought about it a lot since I finished watching it, which is just cool and kind of unusual. It feels like these days there's so much stuff. We just watch one thing and we finish it. We move on to the next thing. And it's really Mm -hmm. lodged there just because it was so specific. It was so this thing that this one guy wrote and made Mike White, like just made this show. And it was just very dense and complicated and everything about it made me feel complicated feelings. And I've really come to appreciate that. I think even like the stuff at the end, it has a lot of bummer stuff in it. But when I just think of it almost like it was a book I read, you know, like it's just a bunch of characters and they made choices and then it ended. Um, I really have just come to value that and and appreciate that show. And I wanted to recommend two things for anybody who watched it who maybe hasn't listened or read listened to or read these two things. There's an interview with Mike White um, at New York Magazine, which is just really good. He just talks about the process of making it, which is was very interesting. He wrote the thing super quick. The whole pitch was like can you make a show during quarantine? And a lot of the reasons for some of the things in the show, like the reasons that characters will appear and then just vanish is because the actors were gone. Like they had a Mm. really small cast and people cycled through, but they were only there to shoot their scenes and leave. And it winds up having, I think, an interesting effect on the show itself. Like the way that particularly people who work at the hotel will come into the story and then just vanish really unceremoniously. It winds up feeling like a choice, even though it was just a result of the production. So that interview is very interesting. He really wrestles with all of the complexity and contradiction of the story. And then also there's a great podcast, um, Slate's Working Podcast, they interviewed the composer Cristobal Tapia de Vere, who was also the composer on Utopia, the original, I think it was a Channel 4 show in England, and had wild music. And I didn't know this and then learned it after the fact. And of course, they're really similar. And the music in the show is so amazing. He talks about how he recorded it, like the flutes and pitch shifting he did to get those sounds. So those will both be linked in the show notes. And they're really good. But yeah, cool show that I've come to appreciate. And Maddie, I know that you watched it uh, in the interim as well. I did watch it. I watched it in part because of both of you watching it last week and talking about it. And Kirk, you saying that the ending was a bummer sort of helped me because there, as Jason said, it is very enjoyable. There's a lot of dark comedy, which is my vibe. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot to laugh at in the show. But I was like, okay, it's going to be gearing up for some sort of tragedy at the end, which is the kind of emotional preparation that I need for a show of this kind. (laughs) And then also allowed me to appreciate the more hopeful tinged aspects of the final episode Mm. because I wasn't expecting there to be any hopeful aspects. Mm -hmm. So I will just say to the listener uh, who's thinking maybe they want to watch it, you should. It's weird. It's good. The the music is also incredible. It makes it feel like a horror movie (laughs) the entire time. And it's great. Mm -hmm. It really fits. Can I say say one thing really quick? This is a fun thing. Um, A little musical trivia fact is the very first four notes that play 
That's the uh, the DS Irae. It's a very famous musical motif that it comes from this Gregorian chant. It's a death chant that's in a million movies. Oh. I actually, there was an episode of the podcast 20,000 Hertz all about DS Irae that had a, a certain uh, music podcaster as a guest on it to talk about it. And um, it's a really interesting thing that once you learn about it, you'll see it everywhere. It's like a musical Wilhelm scream. It's Wilhelm in like, scream, so yeah. many oh, movies. Cool. And it always means death. And that's the very mm. beginning of the theme music is like this death yep. theme, which is pretty okay. cool. Makes well, sense. and then you see a body is the first thing you, you do. See, so you see sense. the coffin right away. So that's not a spoiler. Yeah. Um, okay. So my one more thing is video game that you guys both have to play. because I started this incredible. game. I just started it. I've heard um, nothing but good things. Go on. I just finished a game called The Forgotten City. And the best way to describe The Forgotten City is that it's kind of like all the stuff I love about a Skyrim or a Fallout New Vegas without all the boring stuff. Um, it's a game about like exploration and talking to people and solving the problems, but there's no like boring, like monotonous combat and like moving numbers around and shit like that. Um, it's also it also reminded me a lot of Outer Worlds in that or sorry Outer Wilds <laughs> in that uh, it's a game that like rewards curiosity and exploration. So this is a game it's set in an ancient Roman city um, and you play as an explorer in modern times who is sent back in time um, and it turns out you're caught in this time loop um, where you keep repeating uh, events. So it's a time loop game, sort of like Twelve Minutes, which I absolutely destroyed last week because it sucked. Um, <laughs> this is way better. Um, and the concept is you're in this city. There are 20-something people in it. And they all live by this rule called the golden rule, where if one person in the city commits a crime of any sort, everybody will be put to death. And what happens is if you do that and you can trigger this on your own or like someone else can commit a crime, suddenly it'll be a apocalypse in the city and everybody's dying. And that's when you can go back through time and re relive the loop. And you learn things over time and you remember, you keep all your memories. So you can remember things and like mm -hmm. do repeat dialogue options and, and be like, I'm living through a time loop and, and know where things are going to happen and everybody in the city is on a schedule so like you can follow them and like see what they're doing and you have to kind of solve all their problems your goal is ostensibly to figure out who in the city is about to break the golden rule so you can stop that from happening and then therefore cause a time paradox where you will have never been summoned because the loop never would have happened and so you'll get sent back to your own time <laughs> and it's a brilliant game there's so much in it it's very dense there's a it's not long. It took me maybe six hours to get the final ending. There are like four different endings. Um, but it's really smart and well-constructed and just asks a lot of interesting questions. There's a lot of great writing in it. Um, it's it's uh, it's It actually started life as a Skyrim mod and then over time became its own yeah. game. It feels very Skyrim-ish as you I was play. surprised by that, right? How it feels, um, like, uh, it feels like in that engine. It feels like, know? yeah. Which is why I described it as like a Skyrim or Fallout type game, except mm -hmm. only the parts I really like. It's like the equivalent of like when you get to a new town in Skyrim and you get to go around like talking to people and seeing mm -hmm. who they are and solving their problems and stuff, except you're not sent out on any like boring ass like kill some Draugr right, right. here in this dungeon. Um, so I really, really loved it. It's one of my favorite games of the year. I got the final ending, really enjoyed it. Um, there's just a lot of creative ways that they play around with like letting you do stuff and you you are led to feel smart in a lot of ways and it's just really good. It's just a nice. really, really good game. Um, yeah. The Forgotten City. I played it on PC. Um, I think it's on consoles. It's coming to Switch, but it's not on Switch yet. Um, I think it's on PlayStation and Xbox right now. Highly, highly recommend it. Both of yeah. you should play it. Both of you oh, will yeah. love this game. I've got it. Yeah, I started it, it really and I'm totally cool going to totally play it. It is. Yeah. It is really cool and weird. It explores. It's got a lot of mythology. So if you like, like, I know you guys both are, are into mythology. You'll like that, like Greek mythology, Roman mythology, that sort of stuff. It's got a lot of just like interesting explorations of like Roman history. And you can pick up objects and examine them just for flavor. And it'll tell you interesting things about how like the Romans nice. would store like fish sauce in these jugs. And like you can learn some <laughs> interesting things. Love some fish sauce facts. That's all I ever want from a video. Yeah. It's got, it's, it's a lot of a lot of good uh, history and archaeology and stuff in there, but the real highlight is the characters who you get to know all these characters and a lot mm -hmm. of them are really interesting and just have a lot of interesting personalities and yeah, highly recommend this game. Nice. It's really really good. All yes, right, I will, I will play, play it. it. Cool. All right, uh, go play the Forgotten City, and that is it for this week's 
remake of an episode, uh, yes. or super super turbo plus remake of an episode. Um, I guess next week we'll have to do the remake of the hot topic remakes episode, and we'll be like, all right, well, right. and then the gritty reboot. Well, this is a remake of split screen, a super turbo remake. It is. Plus? I would say it's. It a, I would say it's a super yeah. turbo remake plus. But I think I think anytime we publish an episode and we're all like, yeah, that wasn't a great episode. We should just get a chance never to remake that. it. The We've never said that. We've never said that. That's true. We always. <laughs> We're always like, damn, that was perfect. Because we always re-record it in full, and then we release that perfect <laughs> Exactly, <episode>. exactly. <laughs> All right, Kirk, Maddie, see you both next week. Yep, see you next week. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.